Welcome to Series 2 of the GeoMoving podcast, where we share with you stories of how people and partners across Greater Manchester are creating the conditions for active lives for all. I'm Eve, Strategic Director at Greater Sport, leading, supporting and connecting GM Moving, Greater Manchester's movement for movement. Supported by investment from Sport England, Greater Manchester partners have been taking a whole system place-based approach to embed physical activity into everything, to enable sustained behaviour change for happier, healthier, more connected communities and active lives for all. In each episode, we share stories of what this looks like in action in each of the 10 boroughs of Greater Manchester. Today, I'm back in Manchester Central Library, this time with Jackie, local pilot lead in Bury, and I'm rejoined by Nicole, one of my colleagues at Greater Sport, who supports the local pilot network. The latest Active Lives results for Bury show that 75% of adults in Bury are active for at least 30 minutes a week. The good news is this is up slightly from 12 months ago, suggesting some positive signs of recovery in activity levels after the worst impacts of the pandemic. Activity levels are lower, however, in some population groups to include a wider than average disability gap in Bury of over 31%. And less than 40% of children and young people in Bury are achieving an average of 60 minutes of physical activity a day. You can learn more about Bury's activity levels related to key demographic data such as gender, age and disability on the GM Moving website. Bury's local pilot is working in the Radcliffe area with a focus on young people, families, people out of work and people in work but at risk of worklessness and people aged 40 to 60 with or at risk of long-term health conditions. In this episode, Jackie shares her learning of what it takes to better engage people and communities in physical activity to include shifting investment and governance, going to people where they are rather than expecting them to come to you, putting conversations rather than money first, upskilling the workforce and helping translate the principle that everyone is a leader into practice. I start by asking Jackie to tell us how she likes to keep moving. My patterns have changed significantly since I've had a child. Um, I used to be, you know, very active, very sporty uh, in my younger years. Um, It was easier when my daughter was in a pram. I could almost move around a little bit more um, easier. But I think, you know, but when you have a family, I think sometimes, you know, you work out how to, to, you know, integrate moving more slightly different in your, your daily lives. But I want to be a good role model for my daughter. And I think that's important. So we try and integrate moving more. That might be going out for a walk um, after school. Um, you know, I try and encourage you know her to be as active as possible, and just try and you know take take the opportunities and just enjoy what she does. Um, that might be going to gymnastics, or that might be you know playing football. But I want her to try, mm-hmm. and I want to expose her to as many opportunities as possible. Um, so yeah, I think from my perspective now as a parent, I think it's really important to, to lead by example, you know, and encourage her to, to lead a healthy lifestyle. I think I've been quite heavily influenced by um, my mum, who's very active. Let's hear more about your mum now. So how does your mum <laughs> like to stay active? She's she's active. She has an allotment. I think again, it was quite difficult for her. She was a lone parent, um, so again, she had two children. Again, for her, just trying to keep her children active. Um, but yeah, she has an allotment and she's extremely busy. 
Um, and that keeps her and that gets her daily steps in. Um, and that's just her, her outlet, not just for her to be physically um, active, but also for her mental health mm-hmm. as well. And I think mm-hmm. that's important. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see it with my own daughter when sometimes I pick her up from school. She might have a little, really long day. She's only five, but I can see, you know, she might be, you know, just wanting to kind of just release some energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important as well. Um, that you recognise that as a parent. So, yeah, I want to lead by example. I totally agree with that. And I think we've uh, the podcast I've been on has definitely reflected that. I think everyone who's who's had children has, has kind of reflected on, on the importance of finding new ways to be active. I started uh, cycling to Teddy's Nursery, so I put them on the back of the bike and I've got an e-bike and I live in Glossop, so it's very, very hilly. I completely get where you come from and agree with you when you know you're trying to set that that good example and you know as a family we're really conscious of you know making sure that we on a weekend we're spending as much time as possible out in you know uh, going to like the local pocket parks or taking him to the park or you know out in the garden doing some gardening just making sure that we're showing him that that's just a normal everyday part of, of what we do as a, as a family spending time together you know that family time is really important my daughter's um, had a scooter for a couple of years and it's so much fun yes. I actually love yeah. the experience of being on a scooter um, it becomes a little bit competitive but again it's a different way of, of moving but it's it's fun and it's it brings um, the family together and I think that's important despite the uh, the risks and the, the worries of um, falling off but that's part of being active isn't it there are going to be risks associated but it can be fun Tell us a little bit more about Bury and the local pilot. So what's the focus of the local pilot in Bury? Do you know, since um, since the local pilot for us started back in 2018, it has evolved massively. You know, originally we went into it focused too much around the governance and it being too rigid about, you know, just making sure we had all the right partners sat around the table. And that has evolved massively. And I think that's that's important to recognise. I think from our perspective, I think when we go back to 2018, there was so much focus also on the investment. So, you know, the previous um, sort of project manager um, that worked on, on Local Pilot did a fantastic job at just trying to take the conversation away from the investment and just recognise that it was important to have conversations first and foremost. So the journey we started out on has completely shifted, more so over the last sort of 12 months, because I think it's really, really important to me in my role as chair to recognise that we are all equal partners um, trying to strive and deliver better outcomes for the community, irrespective of whether it's me delivering it as part of the services I manage within the local authority or whether it's a colleague in public health or whether it's working with the voluntary um, sector. It's been really important that we all, you know, work on this as as a a collaboration. And I don't want to give lip service to that. I think it's really important that that resource is is a shared responsibility. We work collectively to really try and address some of the the barriers that we do know exist in, in Bury. So, yeah, we've done a lot of testing and learning since 2018, um, but I think we're now we're turning a curve because I really feel um, there's more collective ownership of the local pilot. Um, and just in the last six months alone, we're starting to see other key um, local stakeholders, partners come to us 
and put forward recommendations, um, ideas, proposals that are going to really support that particular community to move more. And I think that's important. Our next meeting, for example, is just purely focused on encouraging those partners to come to the meeting and talk about what those proposals are. Because thinking about me in my role, I will only deal with a certain cohort of residents that are probably engaged in our services. But I think it's really important we try and have broader conversations with communities that are totally disengaged. I think if anything, the pandemic, I've seen services and I've seen um, a new way of working in Bury. You know, it's really important that we are engaging with our communities that are just not engaged at all. Um, we might not be best to have that conversation. It might be best that it's delivered through colleagues in the, in the voluntary sector. The pandemic alone has really created a different way of working mm-hmm. and working on everybody's strengths as a collective. We're working on a project um, at the moment where we want to engage more with schools. You know, it's not going to be us delivering that project. We want, you know, the, the governors, we want the school, we want the whole school approach to adopting um, a better way of working. But if we can help by, you know, you know, investing some resource, some conversation, looking at, you know, maybe a change in policy, if that's our role, then so be it. And I think it's it's really important to recognise we can't deliver this in isolation. But it's, it's definitely a, a different way of working now than it was when we started out back in 2018. Just to explain to some of the structures of people listening. So you've described you being a chair and being this partnership and this growing. Can you just explain to us who are the partners on this partnership? How does that function? Yeah. And then when you're saying others are joining, you know, give us a sense of who, who is it that's now joining? At the start, we had a, a quite a broad range of different stakeholders. Um, you know, for example, you know, public health have always been a really um, key partner for, from the start because it's, it's been really important for us, to, for us to consider the data and the insight locally. What's that telling us? Rather than just creating opportunities for the sake of it, what's the data and the insight um, informing us? We've had different personalities um, and different representatives, sorry, from the, the very um, voluntary sector. I think that's been important. So we've probably not had a, a consistent representation from that sector, but I think now we've we've addressed that. So the deputy chair now is from the local Berry VCFA. So I work side by side with him and the Berry VCFA to deliver this project. And I think that's an important message that again we wanted this shift away from this isn't the local authority delivering this project. This is a collective approach. And it's taken us time to get there and reposition um, the local pilot. But I think now we've got a very a trusted relationship, an open relationship where we can, you know, we can create, we can work side by side on, on delivering delivering aspects. Um, you know, we've got representation from children's services. So it has evolved and that's fine. Six Town Housing, for example, have been a very key, uh, a key partner um, and other uh, colleagues from across the council. But I think we're now in a better position because, you know, side by side, Myself and the VCFA are very much working collaboratively on this, um, you know, to, to deliver a better a better local pilot. Brilliant. I think there is an aspect in this work, and, and I've noticed it definitely in the localities I, I work within, there's an aspect of, of almost giving up control for, for some of the, the, the organisations that would have traditionally led on this work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, your local authorities and, you know, but there, there has been, and I think COVID was a real... Um, motivator in this the realization that 
you, you, you're not necessarily the best person to lead this work and there's there's so much strength and knowledge and support and passion within the the system you know it's it's really important to be able to give up that control and trust as well and trust that they're going to do the right thing I think the one thing that we've worked really hard on I would say over the sort of last 12 months is to develop a set of principles and I think when we go back to the start we very much talk about the local pilot the local pilot what does the local pilot actually mean Mm -hmm. to communities Um, and we were finding it quite challenging describing what the local pilot was so we've we've shifted massively now our key vision is just to get people moving more and I think it's important that we really simplify Mm -hmm. the language and very much align it back to our broader strategy which is about encouraging 75% of our population to move more by 2025 how people move, you know, that's for us as a, as a collective to, to, to address. But let's simplify the language and, and keep mm-hmm. it simple. And I think that's helped empowering the community to come forward with, with ideas and not be so rigid about a framework for applying for this resource. Come and talk to us. Come and tell us what you think is going to work. So I think you're right, Nicole. We, we've changed. It's been a, a big transformation in terms of our outlook, mm-hmm. in terms of the project. And just to come back to something else you said, everyone is a leader in this. Yeah. Um, and again, we've had to work hard to position it away from this isn't just about us delivering it as a local authority. In fact, let's have that dispersed leadership. Everyone is a leader in this. And I think we've we've got to the point where we've worked very hard with, with local community groups to almost design what those principles look like, to bring it to life. So, you know, if a colleague from public health or a colleague from the voluntary sector or, or a community group go into a meeting to talk about what is the project, everyone is, is you know, clear and consistent and what we're joined up in terms of that messaging. And I think, I think that's really helped. And we've spent an awful lot of time over the last, I would say, six months having more engagement you know, not having as many structured meetings. Let's have a round the table. I'd rather have more of productive outcomes to, to meetings rather than feeling we've got this formal governance yeah. in place. Mm-hmm. So um, a massive shift, uh, and Jane Gardner's helped massively with that, to reset and to re-prioritise those conversations that are important. Great. So just to explain Jane Gardner's role in all of this. So Jane um, is on a succumbent from Greater but she's um, she's currently um, working on the, as a project manager for the local pilot for two days a week. And also with, with her coming in, it's helped massively because I didn't expect Jane to deliver this on her own. It, it's just not it's just not feasible on, on two days a week. So again, that's enabled us to reset this a little bit more um, clearly in the sense of her job is to empower and to connect those conversations. Her job isn't to deliver this. Her job is just to bring those conversations together, which she's done really successfully. Um, you know, we've had two workshops um, over the last six months, and that's been important. Again, that's been led um, independently. You know, again, we don't want this perception that it's being delivered and led by, yeah. by the local authority. Everyone has contributed significantly um, to those workshops to the point where we've now developed a set of principles and we've almost got, you know, a clear time frame and a clear plan of, of, of actions that we want to deliver against over the next sort of 12 months. So there's a kind of, there's a clarity, there's a clear and simple vision about people being supported. 
to move more. Yeah. There's a clarity of an action plan. There's less rigidity around governance and structures and, and coming together and having good conversations. It's okay to test and learn and fail. And if it fails, you know, there's still massive learning that we can take from that. And at first, that probably didn't sit very comfortably with me um, at the start of this, this journey. You know, you have this responsibility for this um, for this investment and you want to deliver outcomes at a pace and at scale, but that's not always always feasible. Let's take the learning, whether it's good or bad. As long as we're feeding that learning back into the process, we can discuss it as a group, um, you know, um, or we can learn from that. Uh, but other projects can learn from that experience as well. And we're also learning from the other local pilots. Mm-hmm. You know, things like the wayfinding, what we found locally is actually one of the biggest barriers is, is people knowing where to go. And Ratcliffe, for example, there's so many incredible green space spaces that, that are located in and across Ratcliffe alone. But we want to connect people, we want to make it easier for people to know where to be active. It isn't just about going to the local gym. It's about those local green spaces, parks. You know, we've seen an awful lot of investment in our green spaces um, in Bury, whether it be from improving tennis courts, whether it be from, you know, just, um, you know, looking at trails. I think it's really important that we can support the community to, to find out where they can move more. I'd say as well, just, just to come back onto what you said about um, that, that test and learn and, and kind of embracing that that failure. I think for, for me, that's a real... Um, indicator of the maturity of, of a system so or or a place and, and kind of the, the journey that they've been on with this work I think being able to accept that and accept that you know sometimes things not working is, is just part of how things go but there's so, so much valuable learning that you can take from that and also just really embracing it and almost poking it and picking at it and examining it you know I think traditionally there's there's been a bit of a tendency to sweep it under the car a little bit and, and to be like okay that didn't work on to the next thing quick 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 whereas now it's it's you know there's more time there's more space to be to, to think you know so why hasn't this worked and almost you know unpick those those threads and take that that key learning and enable you to to go into the next thing with that that insight and that knowledge and that confidence got an example of something where it hasn't worked and you've picked and you've prodded at it and you've learned from it and you've moved on active travel we've had to work really hard at Mm -hmm. i would say not just post pandemic you know we've seen a a massive shift in in people's behaviors so we wanted to kind of build on that really so we've created locally for burial walking and cycling forum but i think one of the key challenges I think one is about information and signposting and wayfinding um, so communities know where they can be active. But what we didn't recognise was actually some key fundamental barriers. People uh, and certain communities were really struggling to access facilities in terms of bikes. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've, we've learned massively and we've worked um, through another colleague locally and TFGM. We're looking at putting some bike hubs right in the heart of the um, pilot areas. And I think recognising that actually, you know, we want to increase people walking and cycling, and we've seen that change through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But for certain families, certain um, individuals, you know, even access to helmets, even access to to bikes, Mm -hmm. 
So what we've done actually, we've actually put the bike hub um, in Ratcliffe near the library. So actually, you know, somebody can go into the library, they don't can't just get a book, they can actually hire a bike. And I think that's important. You know, certainly in, in, in Bury, people see libraries as, as accessible. Um, so again, we will be supporting a different population um, by putting the bike hub, you know, in the library. We're not only upskilling that workforce to be able to have better conversations with communities to move on, what we're actually also doing is overcoming a barrier. You know, we could have put it at the leisure centre, but actually would be engaging with people that are already active. Yeah. We're trying to do things differently and test different ways of working. You know, we're also, for example, going to start loaning out balls from libraries. Um, you know, so again, we're trying to diversify what we deliver within a local building. So is that bike hub working as a bike library? Because I know we've got... It will be. Yes, yeah. it will be. So we've got great um, growing numbers, haven't we, bike libraries across Greater Manchester. So And how brilliant it's actually in a library as people mm. see it as well so um i think we quite often talk about you know those, those wider partners that can enable physical activity and and trying to position uh, moving and moving more into spaces that maybe traditionally they haven't been seen as that so somewhere like a library is a, is a great way and also the, the kind of wider opportunities that someone being in that library you know loads of different services and you know there's loads of different opportunities for you know things like every contact counts and, and that kind of thing so yeah I think I think it's you know it's, it's a fantastic idea for me simple things like bike maintenance are yeah. as important you know somebody might own the bike but it might have been in their shed you know for a couple of years so we've got to give the confidence to not only our workforce but but you know the community to be able to maintain their bike safely um so yeah it's not just the physical here's here's the bike hub we want to be able to be able to maintain those bikes as well um, moving forward so future generations can can benefit from that so who are you linking with in terms of partners to like, increase bike maintenance experience and things like that so we're working very closely with um tfgm uh, transport for greater manchester uh, we're working um, quite closely as well with um will be the national cycling academy i think that's important and other community groups you know empowering other local community groups drop skill and roll out this training um, but also it, it's a great test to learn we've got a new building hub opening in 2024 so I think it's really important that we can lift and shift this model to other settings um, we're also about to put in a bike hub outside um, Berry Library as well right in the town centre again make it easy for people to access um, these facilities so um, lots of different community groups as well as um, public um, public services brilliant so that was an example of why there's been challenges, but it turned out to be <laughs> like a very positive story. <laughs> Are there any um, particular barriers and challenges that you're still hitting against consistently? When you talk about inequalities, I still feel we're probably not having conversations with communities that are disengaged. We're trying our best through through key stakeholders. But actually, you know, we've got to work differently. We've got to to try and really engage, um, you know, individuals, communities that are disengaged from services. Um, we recognise in Ratcliffe, you know, it's it's one of the wards with the highest levels of, of deprivation. Um, and we've seen that broaden. Those inequalities have broadened through the pandemic. Um, you know, we've seen a massive um, impact on 
physical activity levels, um, again, so how do we reach out to the, to the women? How do we reach out that we know are still, um, where there are still barriers? How do we reach out to, you know, other communities, you know, to address those inequalities? I think it's really important. So we've still got a lot of learning to do. That's not necessarily us having that conversation. Again, I would see us working very closely with key groups, Corrie Gardeners, for example, in the community. They're better placed to have those conversations Swimming abilities have been massively affected through the pandemic. So how can we have those conversations with schools? Um, How can we reach those individuals that are still, you know, massively affected? I think part of it is down to marketing. Um, Part of it is maybe about technology. Can we use technology to engage with with communities more effectively? Um, And is there anything different about, I guess, the, the leadership and the workforce um, and people and what they need to do differently if we're going to get better at meeting people where they're at and going to them um, and as you say kind of really involving and engaging people who currently aren't active we had um we had a, just to give you an example we had a workshop um in Ratcliffe about uh, eight weeks ago now and the way we delivered that we actually went out onto the streets to have conversations so again you know we're not just sat in a room thinking about how we can engage what we wanted to do was actually go out into the community and try and have those conversations it was really interesting I've never I've never had that approach before so again it was giving us confidence to have those organic conversations with individuals that just might be passing or in a shop or just in different settings than you know we would ordinarily expect to you know see, but also working with colleagues, whether that be six town housing, um, for example, how can we reach those tenants? I think it's going to um, you know rather than expecting um, communities to come to you and have that conversation. I think it just gave us a different perspective on um, what people thought about. The project. Uh, what does it mean to to somebody in a community rather than consulting in the traditional ways? Great. So lots of key learnings there. Um, any other particular sort of examples or stories that you'd like to to point to where there's been again rich learning or joy or frustration? I think for me, even pre you know the pandemic, uh, but more so post, what we found through through active lives is that children been massively affected i think one of the the challenges we've still got to overcome is you know again with childhood obesity not just those children that are inactive again we're seeing major inequalities our approach is very different now so pre the pandemic we tried to do a project called um, you only live once and that's about getting referrals from um, gps or getting referrals from, from key stakeholders to support children to, to move more and live healthier lifestyles. But now our approach is we're actually presenting to the head teachers forum next week because actually it's got to be a whole school approach. Um, it's not just about working with health professionals. Actually, what we've recognised through um, Active Lives and, and the latest data is that children are moving less within schools and with outside of the school setting. So, you know, children spend an awful lot of their time within the school setting. So what can we do and how can we work as a whole school approach? And how can we, through the local pilot, support those schools 
to access some of the resource through the local pilot to support them, to encourage not just their pupils to move more, but, but their workforce. You actually know from data that children from less affluent families are more likely to be inactive in school. I don't, it just blows my mind, really. Um, you know, but you know, there's loads of different kind of context and, and reasons behind that. But it just it just shows that you know those those inequalities are you know insidious and kind of affect you know, you know all all aspects of, of of a person's life. One of the things we're really keen to do is in Rapid in particular. There is, for example, a community centre. There's a food bank. This this. You know, by diverse sort of housing state, but what we want to do, it's really important we go and have those conversations. So let's go and present ourselves to the food bank and see if we can support those families, but have a different conversation with it with a different community. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right, those those inequalities have, have broadened mm-hmm. uh, as a result of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, the latest data is is suggesting so. So we've got to just try and mm-hmm. do things in a different way you know, look at different solutions and work with different partners uh, to try and overcome some of these these barriers. I think it's really important. So what is it about the local pilot that has enabled you to test and learn and try and do things differently? I guess you said before that, you know, it's hard to sometimes describe what it is to people. Mm-hmm. You've been thinking about that. So how would you now just describe it and say that actually it's supported this work? I think it's about empowering. I think it's really important to empower and I don't think it's about, I think the resource helps. It helps those other key stakeholders to really think about and focus their minds in terms of what's going to work, what interventions, what can we test and learn. But I think it's that collective empowerment that we have to do this together. I'd rather spend my time on, on policy change, whether it be you know looking at the infrastructure and working with colleagues in highways about... I don't know, investment for walking and cycling. Um, I think it's about policy. I think it's about conversations. And I think it's about us as a collective thinking we have to do this. So who is being empowered and who they're being empowered by in this process? I think key stakeholders are being empowered now to to think about solutions. I think at the start of this um, venture, it was very much about the local authority coming to the local pilot steering group to present ideas so we flipped it on its head massively. So at our next meeting, there aren't any proposals. You know, it's other colleagues um, that are really coming to present. We've got public health coming to talk about how we can encourage schools to move more. Um, we've got other um, stakeholders, voluntary sector coming to, to talk about what ideas can we deliver to try and... Um, so we've, I think we've empowered the broader group, we're empowering um, on the back of some of the learning through the pandemic, other community groups to have the confidence to, and it's not even filling out a form, it's not, just come and tell us a story, come and talk to us, here's a bit of an outline structure, come and talk to us about how actually, if we can give you some resource or if we can connect conversations, how's that going to encourage that particular community to move more? So I think our way of approaching this has softened. For me, it's not, I think at the start of the process, it, it was probably too top-heavy in terms of governance, um, filling out forms and, you know, present, you know let, let's shift our thinking, let's make it easier um, and give communities confidence to come and just have a, a conversation, you know, to apply for some, some funding if that helps or to come and talk to us about an idea 
um, that, that we need to you know work on as, as a collective. So yeah, I think I think it's the voluntary sector in the main that are going to be the key driver behind this. Um, I see our role as a facilitator. Mm-hmm. I don't see our role as, as delivering this project. So thank you for sharing the story so far of the very local pilot. So um, what does the future look like? I'd like to get to a point, you know, where actually I step away as the chair because actually I would love it. The aspiration for me would be that somebody from the community would almost feel that they can step up and, and drive drive the project forward. Really want to kind of shift the balance here. Um, you know, we've brought in the, the Berry VCFA we've worked really closely with um, to strengthen that relationship um, over the last sort of 12 months. So for me, I would absolutely love it at some point if this could be community-led, you know, with support from, you know, whether it be the public sector, the private, the community, I think that would send a very strong message to the broader community. So whether we're still testing and learning in Ratcliffe, whether we lift and shift and take the learning to Eastbury, another highly uh, deprived area, or we look at Panbury, there are pockets of inequalities everywhere. Mm-hmm. The other thing we're really keen to connect to, we've got a, a new strategy that is called Let's Do It. Um, it's a new building on the back of the pandemic, and that's very much you know at the heart of that um, strategy is very much a neighbourhood model of working. And I think the local pilot can work alongside the neighbourhood hubs that have been established on the back of that. Um, again, it's public, it's private, it's, it's you know, it's, it's health, it's community working side by side to have better conversations. So the future looks bright. We want to lift and shift and we want to encourage other stakeholders to join us on this journey and not restrict it to a particular area. But if we can look at broadening and delivering better outcomes for the whole of Berry to move more, then I think that's that's uh, an absolute positive. Great. So a clear invite there to join in, anyone that's <laughs> listening, uh, and to continue to share learning. Fab. I look to come, look forward to coming and uh, having maybe a little cycle ride on uh, taking a bike and coming to see for myself. So, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time today. Um, I look forward to seeing what's next. Good. Look forward to meeting you and seeing you in Berry. Take care. I look forward to that ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> My treat. <laughs> Excellent. That I promise. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this GM Moving podcast episode. We've heard how moving matters to everybody and how we can all play a role to design moving back into everyday life. We'd love to hear how you keep moving and the ways you're supporting others to live an active life. You can contact us on our socials, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Greater Sport and don't forget the hashtag GMMovingInAction. Please do share this episode with people and organisations who'll find it useful. Join the movement, the movement. A big thank you to everyone who's investing in this work and playing their parts to test, to learn and to make this happen. This series is a Mike Media production.